Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Future of Health with Providence St. Joseph Health. I'm your host, Mary Aronoff, bringing you the latest in healthcare trends and news each week. Today, I'm joined by Heather Anderson. She's a registered nurse and the quality improvement specialist at the Children's Hospital at Providence in Anchorage. We're talking about how the Children's Hospital provides state-of-the-art medical treatment for Alaska's newborns, children, and their families. Remember, everyone, if you have any questions for our experts, please share them with us on social media. We can be found on Twitter at PSJH and on Facebook under Providence St. Joseph Health. Use the hashtag Future of Health. That's hashtag Future of Health, and we'll be on the lookout for your questions. Before we start, I want to remind our listeners that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult your healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. Okay, well, let's get started by welcoming our guest today. Heather, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start with the easy one. Tell us a little bit about your role. So I am the Quality Improvement Specialist for the Children's Hospital and Women's Services here at Providence. Um, I have been in this role about three years. Um, My clinical background is pediatric ICU and pediatric oncology. Oh, wow. Um, But... That's, those are some heavy areas, the intensive care unit and, and oncology for kids. They have their moments, but they're yeah. also extremely rewarding. Very gratifying. Love yes. working with the families and the children. Oh. Well, I have heard so many amazing things about the Children's Providence Hospital, and I've actually gotten to see it and tour it oh, and good. spend some time in it, and I absolutely love it. Um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about the hospital here and how it serves Alaska? Sure. So um, the Children's Hospital at Providence is... Um, A Children's Miracle Network designated children's hospital. We serve all children throughout the state of Alaska. Um, We provide specialized care here in the state so kids don't have to leave state um, for the most part for any health care. And it's a big state, too. So you're seeing people from all over the state. Correct. We transport um, children all over from all over the state. Um, One example is Barrow is about 720 miles from Anchorage wow. and we do pediatric transports from is from that, that distance flying? it is okay. most of Alaska is um, n- does not have a road system mm-hmm. so we do rely a lot on our ferry systems our um, marine highways and then our aviation wow and how many patients do you typically see in a year I mean that's probably a hard question you probably see so many it's crazy but you're seeing basically everybody from around the state so that means that they don't have to necessarily go to the quote-unquote mainland is that what we would say the lower 48 lower <laughs> <laughs> so the children's hospital is includes pediatrics pediatric intensive care neonatal intensive care but we also include our maternity services okay so we um, so the number's big. We have a yeah, lot, yeah, yes. Yeah. So we have um, a 21-bed pediatric unit, 9-bed pediatric ICU, our NICU. Um, what level is the NICU? It's a level 3B NICU. Okay. Wow, okay. So we are the highest level NICU in the state of Alaska, um, and we service at any given time upwards of 30 to 40 neonates at wow. any given time. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, you did reference that you're a Children's Miracle Network hospital. What does that mean? So Children's Miracle Network is an organization that provides um, fundraising support, Mm -hmm. and they raise money for Children's Hospitals so we can make sure that we're providing, um, that we have the equipment, we have the caregiving, the staff, the training that we need to provide the specialized care for this unique population. And how, how important is it to have fundraising at that level? It's extremely important. A lot of our pediatric population requires special equipment. They're not, you know, 
they require smaller equipment sometimes sure, or different sure. equipment sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so um, having those additional funds to be able to buy those or um, resource those one-off things are really sure. important. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the families, too? Because I would assume that with children means you always have at least one parent or a caregiver. Absolutely. Um, families are part of our ch- part of the care. Mm-hmm. We don't. So does, does fundraising then help kind of cover the costs of the families there? So especially if you're coming from 800 miles away, you have to, I assume, stay at a hotel or? They can. We have what we call our Hickle House, um, mm-hmm. which if parents are coming from a distance, we can help them through Medicaid or through okay. um, insurance funding to have them stay here at our Hickle House on campus, allowing so them to be very campus. close to their wow. children okay. um, or at a hotel close by, okay. um, depending on availability. We also have um, sleeping quarters within the room. So each of our pediatric rooms have a fold-out bed for the parents Mm -hmm. to sleep, and we do um, encourage them and allow them to stay, to come and go as they need, recognizing that they probably have a lot of other responsibilities, children, other children to care for, and there's a lot of coming and going. Exactly. (laughs) So we um, do provide them places to stay within the room as well. Oh, that's amazing. Well, what kind of specialized training do most of the medical personnel need to be in a children's hospital? Is it just pediatric training? Is it extra years in college? Well, so within pediatrics, we have our pediatric trained nurses and all of our children, or excuse me, all of our nurses have undergone um, specific training to care for the pediatric population. Many of them are um, have received a specialty certification in pediatric care or um, pediatric critical care. Um, and then you have you also have a lot of specialties. So I assume then that you have specialties for like surgery or pediatric cardiology, or you mentioned oncology earlier too. Correct. So we have. Um, Several of our physicians, we have a pediatric hospitalist group who provides our inpatient, the majority of our inpatient care and our intensive care. Um, For the pediatric unit, we also have neonatologists who provide our inpatient care for the neonatal ICU. And we have hospitalists that provide care um, for our maternal patients. Wow. Um, And those are all board-certified pediatricians who have received additional care to care for the pediatric population. Wow. So you got you have a lot of people, but it's not just doctors and nurses, right? Absolutely. There's caseworkers, social workers, you've got Correct. Respiratory yeah. therapists, um child life specialists. Is that what they Child life specialists. What do yes. they do? So our child life specialists, they are specially trained in developmentally appropriate interventions to help kids adapt to being in the hospital. Um they do therapeutic play. They can prepare children for procedures. Um, they do training with children. They help the nurses come up with developmentally appropriate interventions and plans for kids um, to include distractions during procedures mm-hmm. or um, neurodevelopmental plans for, say, a child with autism who comes in. They can help us to create a plan that's really going to support that child and their specific individual needs. Actually, when I was here last time, I got to meet with uh, one of the child life specialists and they were talking mm-hmm. to me about like how Xbox has donated Xboxes and how they have like teleconnection so that the kids can stay connected with their friends and family. Correct. What does that look like and how important is that for them? Oh, that's, it's so important for the kids to have that, um, the normalcy, right? right? To right. be able to sit in your room and play some video games, to be able to FaceTime with your friends. Um, it's really important and they do help to facilitate um, those services yeah. to make sure that those kids have that sense of normalcy. 
And what kind of services or clinicians do you have that really take care of the, the parents as well? Because I know that you guys are known for your family-centered care approach. Yes. Yes. So and I guess what does that mean? What does family-centered <laughs> care mean? Let's start there. Family-centered care is an approach to health care where the, it's patient and family. So they are a part of our team, essentially. They are, it's not a them and us. It is, right. We are all a collective, collaborative team with the same goals of taking care of this child and the family unit. Um, and our child life specialists and our patient navigators, our family navigators, are really central to that, to help pull the teams together and help support the families um, mm. through what could be a pretty big crisis for sure. them. Well, I know I, you know, I started out in healthcare 20 plus years ago and family centered care literally was just getting started. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was so interesting because it was like, you would actually have a conversation with the doctor and say, no, it's okay for the child to sit on their parents' lap while they get a shot. And the doctors would look at you like, wait, (laughs) no, no, that's too complicated. Or it's okay for mom and dad to be in there while they're getting their anesthesia before they actually go into the surgical unit. Mm -hmm. And it was such a paradigm shift for them. Is it pretty much just common now? Like we see the parents as part of the care team? I think it is for the most part. Yes. We have, um, when you mentioned the child sitting on the lap, it made me think of our Comfort Promise. Ooh, what's that? The Comfort Promise is um, an initiative that is through our entire system, but um, the Children's Hospital Providence has really been um, working hard on it right now. And that is providing a commitment to our patients and our families that we will ensure that we provide certain measures to provide comfort during procedural or scary oh, scary events yeah. so if we're placing an iv we're going to use numbing medicine we're going to put them in a position of comfort we're going to provide distractions just to help make that ease their way to make it a little bit easier for them for something that might be a little uncomfortable it has to be scary for kids to be in a hospital because it's unknown there's lots of sounds there's oh, i mean yeah it smells and right. everything right. yes yeah. so we try very hard to make sure that we provide as many comfort measures as we can Oh, that's during great. those uncomfortable times. It's great work that you do. Well, we'll be back with more on the Children's Hospital at Providence after this short break. And we're back with Future of Health, and today we're talking about the Children's Hospital at Providence in Alaska. And right before the break, we were talking about how hospitals can be scary for kids and how you guys do a lot to really combat that. And one of the things I have heard about is the service animals that you have here. Yes, we have our PAWS program, and those are service animals who come in and they visit the children. We have little lap dogs who can jump up in bed with them. We have some labs. Um, just a whole collection. We have some corgis, which are nice, oh, 
fun to come in and they visit with the kids. The kids can walk them. They can give them treats. Some of them do tricks. It's, a, again, a nice distraction and a nice way to um, help ease their way. Sure. Maybe they're missing their own pet from right, home. Right. And it's kind of a, a way to help provide a little bit of a distraction, a little bit of calming. Well, we all know animals always make us happier, right? Absolutely. <laughs> well, and it's not just the service animals, though. You actually get visits from characters. Is that accurate? We do. We get visits. Um, our child life specialists help to coordinate visits from um, sports teams mm-hmm. when they come into town for games or whatnot. Um, the Seattle Seahawks have been here to visit with our kids. Mm-hmm. Different hockey leagues, hockey teams oh, have been in. And then we have characters. Yeah. So we have a group. Um, a local group who comes in dressed as Star Wars characters, Darth Vader. and um, I think when I was here one time, I saw Belle from Disney, oh yes. oh, right? Oh, the princesses okay. are here coming to visit us. Um, we have had Spider-Man. We've had Batman. Wow. Oh, I want to be here every day. I know. It's so fun. <laughs> Elmo came one time. I have a picture oh, with Elmo. <laughs> oh, I love it. So I it's fun it. for the caregivers as well. Well, sure. Yeah. And I know um, you guys do a lot, too, around holidays and trying to make it as normal as possible for the kids. Definitely. And I know, like, trick-or-treating is one thing that you guys do. Yes. Yeah, so the hospital sponsors trick-or-treating for the children within um, the hospital. We have stations set up downstairs in our lobby. And each of the different adult units sponsor tables. Oh, fun. And the kids, um, Child Life helps to get costumes for the kids if their parents aren't able to get them, if they're from out of town or whatnot. And then the kids are able to come downstairs and go trick-or-treating throughout the lobby. So they get to show their costumes. They get to get the candy. They get to still have that experience. Normal experience. Normal experiences. Oh, that's great. And Um, I think I saw um, that you guys let the siblings come as well so they can trick-or-treat too. Yes. And then for Christmas, we also help the families. First of all, Santa comes and visits the children. We have great pictures of him holding babies in the NICU. Um, And then they, the child life specialists, really help the families to have as normal a Christmas as they can. If they need help getting gifts, they can help provide some of those. And really just trying to make the experience as normal as possible. That's amazing. For these special holidays. You guys do so many great things, and I know that you guys are um, servicing a very large community, but what is it that you guys are best known for? What makes you unique? Well, as you know, the Children's Hospital is what's called a hospital within a hospital. So we are nestled, the Children's Hospital units are nestled within the Greater Providence Alaska Medical Mm -hmm. Center. And so we are able to provide specialized pediatric care with a shared infrastructure with the rest of the greater hospital. So our diagnostics, radiology, lab, all of those things are available here to our children um, as well as our adults. And we really help to ensure that no matter where children are within Mm -hmm. the Providence Alaska Medical Center, that they receive specialized care that is pediatric focused. That's amazing. And that makes a big difference too. Definitely. Yeah. Um, we Some of the areas that we support outside of the children's hospital framework, we work very closely like with the emergency room okay. and their children's emergency care area, which is a dedicated space in the children's hospital, or excuse me, in the emergency department for the oh, care of children. That makes sense um, because emergency rooms are traumatic in general, even for an adult. Definitely. And our emergency department has a dedicated child life specialist to help with some of those um, wow. procedures and just being in there. Um, that is definitely not something as a child you need to see some of the conditions that come in correct. or the level of, yeah. Correct. Yeah. And they go into their own area and it's, wow. it's, 
a separate area from the main emergency department. That's amazing. So it's it's um, a little bit isolated, a little more kid-friendly with the furniture and so forth sure, and the sure. decor and all of that. Well, how big is the hospital? I mean, it's an actual children's hospital, which there aren't a lot of, especially in a state like this. True. So again, with the children, with the hospital within a hospital model, the children's hospital is a little bit spread out within the footprint of Providence Alaska Mm -hmm. Medical Center. For example, our pediatric unit is on one floor Mm -hmm. um, and the NICU is on another, in another section of the hospital. Um, Although that's not really abnormal in hospitals in general. I've been to big children's hospitals in big cities where it's like 10 floors, right? You could be on the top floor and somebody else could be on the bottom. So Yeah, exactly. And we like to say that the children's hospital is embedded throughout the entire hospital. No matter where you go, you're in the children's hospital. And you have specialists here in Alaska who actually consult with other Providence um, clinicians around the system as well. So you guys have some specialties that maybe they're not as strong in in, in a different region, Um, which really I think just proves the point that a big network is such a great uh, um, thing for people to have experience with. And that's kind of what you're saying with the hospital within a hospital. Yes, definitely. And when you talk about collaboration, we are part of the Greater Women and Children's Institute from Providence St. Joseph Health. So we collaborate again with all of the pediatric and maternity um, partners throughout the health system. But we also collaborate at a state level. Um, We are uh, part of our All Alaska Pediatric Partnership, which is a statewide initiative or a statewide group that comes together um, with representatives from all different organizations that care for children throughout the state, not just inpatient, but outpatient and community sure. resources. And we all come together um, regularly and really talk about what care for children look like in this state and how we can, as a collaborative group, improve that level of care. You have, a, you have other partnerships, too. I mean, we, it's not just you in a vacuum. No, we do. We um we're also part of a perinatal quality collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um, where what does that mean, actually? <laughs> perinatal quality co- collaborative. So perinatal care is around the delivery of a baby. So the perinatal collaborative looks at maternal care, so care of the mother while she's pregnant with the child, and then care of the baby um, after it's born, and care of the mother after the, the baby is born. So um, it's a, a great group of group that is getting together to look at both the maternal care and the baby care. So you at this hospital see pre-birth all the way to 18? Correct. And do you, um, is there a typical length of stay or does it really just vary by the condition? It really varies by the condition. We can have some kids here for a couple hours of observation or an overnight observation. And we have some of our kiddos who, who stay months. Um, In our neonatal intensive care, we um, being a level 3B, we take care of some of the smallest babies, um, sometime as young as 22 weeks of gestation. Wow. And so they take time to sure. to grow and, and um, just get to the point where they should have been at learn, birth, right? Exactly. Yeah. Learn what life is outside of the womb. And, and some of those kids can stay six to nine months with us. Wow. That's a very long stay. That must be so hard for the families. The family, I yes, it is hard for them, but I also feel like we we can support them. Sure. It is hard. It's hard to be displaced. Well, be it's hard. harder to be at home on your own, I would think, too, right? <laughs> True. <laughs> um, but we have a lot of, especially for the parents in the in the NICU, we have a fantastic support program for them where they have support groups. We have our parent navigator who is an ex-NICU parent herself, so oh, she can she's really... she's got the experience. Absolutely, sure. and she can really relate and empathize with what they're going through and can anticipate some of their needs and, and help to support them through some of their sure. challenges. 
I would think that it would be hard to find enough staff in Alaska, especially to to fulfill all the needs you have. It is. It can be challenging to get um, qualified staff up here. Sure. So we do um, work really hard on recruiting to get those specialty trained um, nurses and providers, respiratory therapists. Um, but we also, especially with nursing, we have our own internship or residency program. Oh, okay. Um, so we train our own, and I was actually a graduate of that residency program. Really? So we know it works. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we, both in the NICU and in uh, pediatrics, we have a regular influx of new graduates from mm-hmm. our own university and on outside universities who come in and do our um, 8- to 12-week program. Great. to receive that specialty training. I love the emphasis that Providence St. Joseph Health puts on education because we do have a university. We have several yes. nursing colleges. We have practicums. We actually have uh, a high school. Yes. Right? I just think it's amazing. It's yes. such an important thing. So we're going to continue this conversation when we come back from this short break, and I know you all are waiting with bated breath. She's just a girl and she's on fire Hotter than a fantasy Lonely like a highway She's living in a world and it's on fire Filled with catastrophe But she knows she can fly away We're back on Future of Health, and we are talking with registered nurse Heather Anderson about the Children's Hospital here at Providence. Um, And before we took a break, we were talking about education and the importance of that. Um, But I think you also talked about how you have very specifically trained personnel, and I know that you have a lot of special needs children here. What does the service offering look like at that level? So we, um, we do have a population of kids with special needs, and we provide um, wraparound. Oh. Wait, now you're saying something I don't think people are going to know. What's wraparound care? We we do provide some wraparound care for those children um, through our subspecialty clinics. If they have uh, some kids go home on home ventilators with tracheostomies. And so if it's a new tracheostomy that was placed in our hospital, we have an intensive training program for parents. Okay. um, That... Um, is that a breathing tube through the is, throat? Yes. Okay. Okay. It is a breathing tube uh, that goes into their throat and they go on a ventilator and it allows them to, it helps them to breathe while sure, they're sure. outside of the hospital. Wow. Um, so we have an intense program for families so they can I would go be home terrified. and care for their yeah, children. Yeah. Um, it involves 
didactic education, so lots of information for the parents, but also skill checkoffs. They get to practice on mannequins. Oh, okay. Um, they get to practice eventually on their own child mm-hmm. um, to really build their confidence and their ability to care for their child outside of the hospital. Um, do you guys have any of the robotic mannequins here? We do. We have the high fidelity simulators. Okay. Um, all the way from a neonate, okay. a tiny one, to we have a, a regular baby size. We have a junior, which is a, about the size of a six-year-old. Oh, wow. And then we even have maternity um, dolls that actually yes. will deliver. They give baby. They actually have and the babies. And our nurses can, and our um, other other disciplines participate, but our nurses can practice deliveries and practice hemorrhages well things that you might not see very often right and exactly. so if you don't practice on a dummy the first time you experience it could be in a live situation exactly it's gonna be rough exactly yeah. yes oh i totally want to see these robotic babies can we go absolutely this? we can i can i can arrange that that's amazing i love it well you guys also are one of the only pediatric level two trauma centers in alaska what does Correct. that designation mean that means that we can provide um, emergency care for children who have experienced a traumatic injury um, within a defined time frame. It is an accreditation, or excuse me, it's a designation that was given to us by um, ACS. Um, Wait, what's ACS? American College of Surgeons. Okay, okay. And um, it just recognizes us as providing a, a certain standard of care for children who experience trauma. Okay. Um, that we have the specialists needed to manage is that physical trauma, or does it also be emotional trauma? For this designation, it is physical okay. trauma. Okay. So this would be like a car accident, or sure. a boating accident, or a plane accident, or okay. or something wow. to that effect. And why is it important that children have different emergency services than adults? Why is that so important? Children have different needs. Mm-hmm. Um, physiologically, they're different. Their bodies respond differently to trauma. They require different equipment. And when you have someone who's not as familiar with that equipment or with the physiology of Mm -hmm. children, it's important to have familiarity in an emergency situation. Sure. So when you're moving, um, when things are moving fast and you have to make quick decisions and you have to intervene quickly, Mm -hmm. it's important to be familiar with those things. And so um, it's important to have providers that are specially trained and um, competent in the care specifically of those populations. It's going to be very challenging, I would think, to have an emergency situation with a child because you want to do the best for their health care, but you also want to try to ease them and keep them calm. And that's going to be a different conversation than you would have with an adult. Absolutely. And that's an important component of um, having our pediatric specialists there because they do understand the different level of of emotional trauma that comes with the physical trauma. And, um, you know, simple things like how you interview a child or the environment that you put them in or using distraction tools and sure. techniques when needed um, are really important. And uh, Providence um, in, here in Alaska is actually part of a national collaborative for it's um, called EMSC or Emergency Medical Services for Children. Okay. And we are one of 16 training centers in the entire country. Wow. For pediatric emergency care. And so we participate in um, collaborative learning with um, over 170 hospitals throughout the country. But we also provide education and support to um, one of our other hospitals here in state who is signed up in the collaborative as an affiliate. So 
not only are we providing the care here, but we're now helping other hospitals within our state to ensure that they're providing the same standard of care for children. Learn from the same things that you guys have gone Absolutely. through, optimize continuously. Absolutely. Well, that's not the only national recognition you have, right? No, we're actually, um, we're also part of the Vermont Oxford Network. It's a national collaborative that focuses on the care of neonatal patients. Okay. And we have been active with this um, group for many, many years. Um, in fact, our team um, just hosted um, Vaughn, our Vaughn, what we call our pod. Okay. Or the group of... The, Is that your cohort, basically? It's our cohort. Okay. Thank you. Okay. We just hosted our cohort. They came to Alaska to mm-hmm. learn how we provide care. We actually have some of the lowest rates of... Um, of morbidity-free survival in neonates in our very yeah. small population, or so our very low birth weight babies. Um, we have some of the best outcomes in the nation. That's amazing. I actually have goosebumps right now. Like, it's so great. And that really comes from the fact that you do have the hospital within a hospital. You have specifically mm-hmm. trained people. I mean, it all comes together, right? You have the robots to practice on. You, I mean, you have everything here. We do. And it's yes. so great. And you, you're just serving such a big community. I think, are you able to service the community the best way you need to? Or do you have to look at new things like innovations, like virtual, that sort of thing? We're always looking at new innovations. We're always looking at ways that we can better serve our community, reach out to our community. Um, one example... Um, would be using telehealth. Okay. We have um, EICU capabilities, mm-hmm. so electronic ICU, where we have... So because of the geographic area that we serve, mm-hmm. some of our communities, again, are only accessible by plane. Right. And in the wintertime, as you can imagine, sometimes those are hard to access. That's a challenge, yeah. And so when we have a child in a community health center in a village mm-hmm. that is snowed in, we have the capabilities of um, going to our EICU and turning on a camera and looking at that child and looking at their vital signs. And our intensivist has um, actually gone in and managed, helped to manage a child with the care providers in those clinics amazing. to help um, bridge that gap waiting for weather to clear or waiting for a transport team to arrive. And so... You know, telehealth is an important component of care up here and and one that I think we could probably expand on. Sure. That's the stuff movies are made of. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've heard a lot about telepsych as well, and I know that you do have that here as well. We do. Um, It's an emerging program. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that our um, perinatal mood disorder clinic is, Mm -hmm. is exploring that. And really for people listening, that's just that, you know, it's so hard to have the right number of behavioral health specialists around the country. I mean, there's definitely a shortage. And so you here in Alaska could call in somebody from Seattle or Portland or wherever the specialist was to assess a case and and help the clinician. And consult with the clinician. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do have those services. That's great. That's great. Well, you also just touched on it, but you have a very diverse population Absolutely. Um, So lots of languages, lots of cultures. How do you handle that? Yeah. So Alaska has, um, the Alaska school district is the most, has the most spoken languages out of any school district in the entire country. That is crazy to me. It's over a hundred, right? It is. Last I checked, it was over a hundred languages spoken within our school district here in Anchorage. So you guys have to then have translation services. I assume that you have people with different cultural backgrounds on staff. Absolutely. So we do have um, our language line, which we utilize quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, um, we're working on some translation programs. Mm-hmm. 
I have heard a lot of technology across our system of basically virtual translators. Absolutely. And they're working on that. We also have a, the children's hospital kind of spearheaded this, but the the greater hospital has taken it on. We have a um, culture and diversity committee and they host monthly forums where we bring in people from different cultures Mm -hmm. and ask them to share their experiences and their thought processes on um, healthcare and how it works within the scope of their own cultural beliefs and their cultural practices. That's wonderful. And it's been very helpful. We've had um, parents on those panels. We've had um, employees on the panels. And it's definitely helped to provide some context and help us better understand. And some of the changes that have come out of it, um, one example is when we have um, a mother who is Hmong, mm-hmm. um, after they deliver a baby, they have certain dietary restrictions. Mm-hmm. And so after we learned about those, we partnered with our dietary program. And now those dietary options are available on oh, our mother's um, menus. So it's they can all order yeah. order special items for yeah. them. Well, I think, I mean, for anybody listening, I think the fact that you said bringing in people from a village would, would <laughs> indicate that there's a very diverse population. So Absolutely. we have to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation about the Children's Hospital here in Alaska. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag drifting through the wind, wanting to start a so paper thin like a house of cards one blow from caving in do you ever feel already buried deep six feet under screens but no one seems to hear a thing do you know that there's still a chance for you cause there's a spark in you you just gotta ignite the light and let it shine just
Future of Health. I'm your host, Mary Renoff, and I'm joined here today um, by Heather Anderson, and we're talking about the Children's Hospital. Um, and the thing I think is interesting is that when we think of children's hospitals, we think of pediatrics, but you guys aren't just about pediatrics. Correct. Um, our The Children's Hospital encompasses pediatrics, mm-hmm. which is what most people think of, um, the neonatal intensive care unit, also something that most people think of a, about, but we also um, support the maternity center. We have the only um, high-risk antenatal unit, mm-hmm. which means all the high-risk pregnancy moms come and stay with us until they deliver. Oh, okay. Um, and then we also have our labor and delivery department. Mm-hmm. We have three dedicated operating rooms for C-sections wow. okay. within the children's hospital. Um, and then we also have some programs that are outside of the walls of the hospital but are under the umbrella of the children's hospital. And that would be like our nurse-family partnership. Okay which is a um, federal program that partners a nurse with a high-risk first-time mom okay. and provides her education, support, and nursing care from early in her pregnancy through delivery and through the first two years of that child's life. Two years, wow. Two years. Okay. And so it really provides a foundation for those high-risk moms to take care of their children to make sure that they have the resources and the education that they need to a partner to be there to be a great yeah. parent and to um, help set them up for future success. I think so. every mom would want that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you guys also you do other things like you have a forensic nursing program. We do. We have forensic nursing, um, which is um, actually two separate programs. So Alaska Cares is our child advocacy center, mm-hmm. and um, they help. Um, children who have had abuse, witnessed abuse, witnessed things. Um, And then we have our forensic nursing that provides um, medical forensic exams. And that's really just because when a child goes through something like that, I mean, nobody should have to go through that, but you certainly don't want them to have to talk to a police officer and then a psychologist and then a doctor and go to three different places to do it, right? Absolutely. And so we um, have just built a large children's advocacy center, which allows us to house not only Alaska Cares, but our partner organizations are there as well. South Central Foundation is there to help with counseling. We have um, our police officers are there in the building with us. So when it comes down to interviewing a child, you have um, an entire team who can um, partner on that. So you don't have five different people interviewing the same child five different times. Um, it really helps to ease the child's experience and makes it and a little bit better. And led by somebody who has experience in that space. Absolutely. Because right. I would think police officers can't all be trained to deal with childhood emergency situations no. like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, you guys also, I think you mentioned earlier, have a maternity outpatient services. What is that? We do. So our maternity outpatient clinics and services um, is several programs, again, under one umbrella. Uh, we have our lactation clinics. So okay. we have lactation consultants who can help moms. Um, if they're having trouble breastfeeding and can help with solutions and interventions. Uh, We have our program called Parenting with Providence, which are classes that are held um, anywhere from childbirth classes, CPR, and parenting classes. Mm -hmm. They also host parent support groups. They have support groups for dads. They have support groups for 
um, new moms. They have support groups for older moms. So they do um, at different times. Sure, sure. Um, So they have a whole collection of um, support and programs and education for families depending on what their needs are. You guys even have a, a fairly large like Facebook group for support services for families who have been at the hospital and I think even for like NICU families. Yes, they do. Yeah. So yes. really loving kind of building a community for people who have gone through the same experience. Absolutely. It's probably very important I would think because you have all the pediatricians and you have these specially trained people but at the end of the day unless you are the parent of that child and you know somebody who's gone through that may understand it more so. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, let's take some questions from social media. That's okay. always a fun one because you never know what you're going to get. All right. Um, so let's start here. The first question says, are the doctors in a kid's hospital trained differently? And we, we did talk a little bit about that. A little bit about that. The f- providers who provide the majority of the care within the children's hospital are pediatricians. Mm-hmm. So they do have specially, they did attend additional school. They did a board certification to become board certified pediatricians. And that would be our hospitalists in the pediatric unit and our intensivists. Um, We also have community pediatricians that admit patients, and we also have family practice providers um, who don't have pediatric specialties but do have it as part of their family practice um, training. Then we have subspecialists um, who come in and see patients, consult on patients, or admit patients. We have pediatric pulmonologists, which are the lung doctors. Um, We have pediatric neurologists. We have... um, well, that does bring up a good question. What kind of surgeries do you do? And, and here was a question we got from social. How is anesthesia different for kids? So anesthesia is different in that children metabolize medications differently. Mm-hmm. And they have different airways. They have different, um, they require different positioning. They require different medications to manage the anesthesia effects. Um, and that requires a very specific skill set. Um, especially as you get down into the lower ages and the smaller oh, children, the babies, the babies. nerve wracking. Absolutely. Yeah. So we do have board certified pediatric anesthesiologists um, who practice here and they do take um, very specific cases to ensure that, that those babies get the care that they need. Mm-hmm. And, and what types of surgeries do you guys do? We do um, all kinds of surgeries. <laughs> <laughs> we do um, a lot of general surgery, a lot of um, GI surgery, broken (laughs) bones, lots of broken bones. Um, We do a little bit of everything. Yeah, we do appendicitis or appendectomies. We do um, within our... You got them covered basically for what they need. Pretty much. There's very few things that we um, don't do here. Mm -hmm. And um, if we can't do it, then we do transfer out of state. But that's very infrequent actually. Well, that's good to know. So see, you all can stay within state, which we know you want to do. Um, well, this is kind of a similar situation. Do doctors travel to remote areas? Do your doctors travel to remote areas? Um, some of our partner doctors do um, have clinics out in remote areas. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the needs are met. <laughs> I like this question. What do I need to do to prepare my kids for a hospital stay? That is a great question. Yeah. Um, you're like, how I do think, I prepare myself for my child's <laughs> stay, right? Um, you know, for a parent who's, who knows they're coming into the hospital, because not all, they don't, right. a There's lot of times they come in without knowing yeah. that they're going to be here. Um, some things to remember when they're coming in is it's okay to bring a favorite toy, a favorite blanket, trying to bring things from home that can um, help 
to make it feel a little safer. Sure. Um, they can call ahead and ask to talk with our child life specialist okay. to come up with some individual plans if a child has some specific needs. Um, some of our kids on the autism spectrum um, have specific needs that our child life specialist can partner with. That makes sense, yeah. Um, things like weighted blankets or um, special lighting or so forth. Wow, okay. Well, I think we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue taking your questions from social media. I had a dream. I got everything I wanted. Not what you think And if I'm being honest It might have been a nightmare To anyone who might care I thought I could fly So I stepped off the golden Nobody cried Nobody even noticed I saw them standing right there Kinda thought they might care I had a dream I got everything I wanted But when I wake up I see You with me And you say As long as I'm future of health and we are taking questions your questions from social media so the next question says can we bring our pets to visit my son has anxiety without his dog so it depends i'm waiting for her to say it depends service animals okay are permitted service animals absolute designated service animals are permitted unfortunately we're not um, able for infection control reasons and safety reasons Mm -hmm. we aren't able to bring in just family pets into the hospital. Um, We have been known to arrange for if the provider, the physician allows it for a visitor, maybe at a back door or out in the parking lot. (laughs) I know nothing of what you're speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we do, if, if a child really would like that, we do try to get the pause program involved. Our, our, um, our, 
the service therapy dogs Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. and try to get them brought in more frequently so the child can at least have that experience that's wonderful well i think we covered your question earlier can i stay overnight with my kid and you talked about the fact that yes we can and we have that in the room and we even have services for hotels if we need it and and something on site so i think Mm -hmm. we covered that one um how about do you have kid size furniture and i know you mentioned it in the ed we do in some in some areas we have um in our pediatric unit, we have a um, activity room okay. that does have all kinds of kid-sized furniture and just activities, games, toys, tables, everything sized for children of all sizes well, and that's ages. Fun. That's fun. <laughs> um, oh, this is a tough question. Do you treat kids who don't get vaccinations? We treat everyone. Hmm. Okay, it wasn't that tough, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we treat everybody here. Well, and speaking of treating everybody, I know that there's a lot of people who can't afford health care mm-hmm. and they don't have insurance or they don't have even enough money to meet the deductible. What does Providence do for those people? So Providence partners with the family to, um, number one, help them sign up for programs if they qualify mm-hmm. um, and help to find funding sources. And you get a lot of funding from private donation as we well. Do. Yes. So. Yes. So for everybody listening who would like to donate to the Children's Hospital, we're going to direct you to alaska.providence.org, and you can select ways to give. Um, and you can even choose some of the programs that you might want to give to, but it is definitely so vital to the community. And I know that Providence gives back a lot, Absolutely. but still can't do it without donations. Definitely. People, right? Right. Definitely. Well, we're going to go back to questions. Um, oh, that's funny. How do you donate to people? <laughs> well, I think we covered that one, so we're good on that. Um, can we call ahead of time to determine if we need to come to the hospital if we live a long way away? So is that more like an advice nurse kind of a thing? We do have um, telephone triage or advice nurses. It's through our main hospital. Okay. Um, and they do follow pediatric protocols. Okay. Good so to know. So that can be. And then we do have, um, if a provider in a remote community has questions about the care and the appropriateness of transfer in, Mm -hmm. they can actually call and consult with our intensivists to ask some more specific questions and see if it's appropriate to transport in. Well, I mean, if you're coming from 800 miles away on a plane in the middle of winter, you'd probably want to know that it's the right thing to do. Exactly. Makes sense. Um, Well, this question is, what makes a children's hospital safe, feel safer for kids? Do you have more security? We do. So each of our units within the children's hospital um, inpatient unit, so that is the pediatrics center, so PEDS, mm-hmm. PEDS ICU, the NICU, and the maternity center are all what we call locked units or secured mm-hmm. units. They all have closed doors that are what we call badge access, so mm-hmm. you have to have a special badge to be able to enter those units, and then we have a screening process. Okay. So all visitors are screened okay. um, for health screening, and right now, as, or as we move into like flu season, mm-hmm. um, we do extra layers of screening sure. to make sure that we're not bringing things in. Or if we have, if there's an outbreak of something in the community, sure, sure. we increase our screening. Um, is that a time, let's go back to the last question. Is sure. that a time where you would ask if children have had their vaccinations? So if like a sibling's going to come into the hospital? Um, that depends on the unit and it okay. depends on the time of year. Uh, okay, makes sense. Um, so... Um, for example, our NICU has some tighter requirements because that population is just so so vulnerable. So vulnerable. Absolutely. And so they do have um, some additional questions around vaccination of siblings. Makes sense. Well, here, this is a little bit about security. How are your employees screened? And you kind of touched on it, but it's pretty intensive, right? Yes. All, all employees at, at 
Providence Alaska Medical Center and the Children's Hospital go through um, extensive background checks mm-hmm. um, prior to starting. And drug screens. And yeah, all yes, sorts of things. All of that. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Um, well, here's a, a very helpful question. Does my child have to have documentation when we check in? What should I bring? It's a great question. Um, as far as coming in to get care, really just um, identification for the parents, if mm-hmm. possible, insurance information, if possible. It's not going to stop us from providing care. Sure. If a child comes in and requires care, we're going to provide care, and we'll figure out the, the, the other later. things mm-hmm. later. That's so important, I think. Um, what kind of parent support groups do you have on site? So we talked a little bit about like the virtual ones, but what do you have on site? So our, our parenting, well, that is on site. Our parenting with Providence okay. um, program is on site. Just um, how do people get involved in that? Through our website. If okay. you go into the Providence.org Alaska mm-hmm. and go into children's services, I think is the link. And then you can see the parenting with Providence and all of the courses that we offer throughout the year. And you said those are in person, but can you do those classes online or is it better to do it in person? Those are, I think those are all, um, offered in person. Okay. And then, like I said, we have, um, different support groups at different times for NICU parents. Right. Um, they have activities for NICU parents. We have, um, for our moms who are on our prenatal unit, those are for high risk moms who can't go home, but they're not ready to deliver yet. So they, they stay with us sometimes for many weeks in sometimes in on bed rest. And so we have some activities for them as well, where we roll them in their beds sometimes into a community room where they can, um, do an activity with other moms who are in similar situations and, a little um, bit of bonding right there. Absolutely. Sure. So we do um, several of several different venues to try to um, help families come together sure. with their peers and other families who are experiencing similar situations. Well, is there any one patient story or experience without going into detail, right? So we don't want to violate <laughs> anything. But that just really touched you or made you think, this is, this is, I know I'm doing the right thing with my career. Oh, goodness. There are a lot. Like, how do I pick one? <laughs> I, I know. know it's so tough, but we only have a couple so minutes. So many, to pick one. yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, early on in my career, um, I was an oncology nurse okay. for pediatric oncology, and um, there was um, pediatric oncology is just <laughs> so hard. I, I a long time ago worked in a children's hospital, and my mm-hmm. office was on the oncology unit. And I would get so attached to the kids and I would be happy when they went home, but it was hard when they didn't. Absolutely. And the, the case that comes to mind was a young lady who, um, had cancer and had reached the end of her treatment. Mm. And, um, we were supporting her through the end of life and it was an honor to be there to, um, help her with Mm -hmm. that transition and help the family with that transition. And, um, you know, a lot of people say that that would be so hard and it is, it really is hard, but it's, it's quite an honor to be in that sacred space with a patient and a family. And, um, yeah, it was, that was one of my first experiences early, like I said, early on in my career. And that's when I realized this is what I want to do. This is what it's about easing their way, whatever that is, whether it's easing their way into health or easing their way, um, as they 
I can tell that you're very passionate. <laughs> I know you guys can't see her face, but she's no. very passionate and she's, she's a very compassionate person as well. Um, you just mentioned end of life, though. Is there pediatric hospice here? Yes, thank you. Yeah. I forgot to mention that earlier. We do, through our Providence um, Medical Group organization, we have um, a growing pediatric palliative care and pediatric mm-hmm. hospice program. Mm-hmm. So it's up and running now, and it's definitely um, a great program sure. that we have needed for a while, and it's exciting to see that it is growing to the into the program that it is. I think that's where I would donate my money. I really do. I think that's where <laughs> I'd have to do it. Well, we're almost out of time, so I'm going to ask you the last question I like mm-hmm. to ask everybody. If you could tell the audience one thing you want them to know about the Children's Hospital here, what is it? Oh, goodness. Um, really that you know, family-centered care, the children and the families are at the core of everything we do, mm-hmm. and we... Um, really strive to ensure that we are providing the best, highest quality, safest care to all of our children and families, um, and really trying to ensure that they stay in the state sure. close to home while they receive that care. Uh, what I hear you saying is we're here for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for joining us today and everyone for listening and sending in your questions. We look forward to a future topic with more experts from Providence St. Joseph Health. Make sure to follow us on social media at PSJH on Twitter and on Instagram and under Providence St. Joseph Health on Facebook. To learn more about our mission programs and services, visit future.psjhealth.org. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 